Hello and welcome to episode 492 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate? I'm going very well, Andrew. How are you? Mate, I'm, uh, I've come up pretty well. It's been a big day of partying today. Why? What's the party about? Well, it's a pretty important birthday today. Um, whose birthday? Rugby league turned 129 today. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, here we go. That's pretty um, cool. And the George Hotel still stands. Yeah. Has nothing to do with rugby league, but it's still there. It's still there. Somehow. Just like rugby league in Northern England, it's still there. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> They've made um, big. They've made big strides in with rugby league in the UK though, because like, well, they've... unlike 129 years ago, it's now mm-hmm. on TV. Yes, you bet. Well, barely. <laughs> barely. They got a new TV deal over in Super League. It's for less money, um, which isn't a surprise. Well, so is Peter Valenti's doing the deal over there for them as well. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, they. It was interesting to see the reaction. I was actually going to do a podcast the night that it came out just fire up and do a solo one, but I thought I'd wait. And seeing all of the the reactions and the ideas of some of the English supporters, and a, a lot of them don't understand why rugby league over there just, number one, doesn't get good TV deals, and number two, keeps getting diminishing TV deals and has done since the 90s. Like, they've all been worse TV deals. And they'll say stuff like, oh, we need to make our our players' bigger stars and have them in commercials and get them on TV. And it's like you don't understand. Like, you're looking at it back to front, you know. They don't understand that if you have a competition full of teams that are from tiny markets, and when I say tiny markets, like these are these are teams in towns, little towns, of course you're not going to get a big TV deal. Like, you look at Super League, the only team, that's in a proper city, and I mean a proper city. I don't mean this stupid idea that they have over in England where if you've got three streets, a cathedral, and a fucking post office box, you're officially a city. I mean real cities. They've only got Leeds that's a city, and that's not good enough to carry an entire, you know, competition. Like, they're getting more than they really should, to be honest. They're all – most of them are from little towns, and that's why Super League needs to – be completely changed. Otherwise, it's just going to em- end up an amateur competition in like 20 or 30 years. Yeah, it is a concern. Um, I thought, given all the talk, I didn't think. Like, you'd think after all the talk during the World Cup, how great it was for the game over there, mm-hmm. that the next TV rights deal, which was just around the corner from that, perfect opportunity for the English to go, you know what? Let's get every single game broadcast live and try and get at least one per day on the BBC, free-to-air TV. But the the broadcasters don't want it. And there's a reason, because it's not relevant content. I know. This is so, like, during the World Cup, it should have been an opportunity for them to, to put together, get their shit together. I know I'm talking, I know I'm talking highfalutin nonsense here. Yeah. But... Get your shit together and say, you know what, I know this is not the case now, but what we need is the support from our TV rights deal to put in place the plan that we do have, and that is to have a more solid competition with less teams moving around, 
but we're going to have teams in more bigger markets around England instead of all being concentrated along that motorway that's on the north side there. Yeah, M62, I think it is. The M62. Um, so, you know, try it will, it'll still be a northern game. We'll still have major the major centres in the north, but we're going to try and get more games and more teams south of the M62 mm-hmm. around London, south of London if we can. But, you know, somewhere to try and make it a more national game. Mm. And... If you go to the broadcast and say, look, this is a, <clears throat> the deal that we want to put in place, and this is how we want to structure it, and this is what we're working towards, even if the broadcaster says, okay, you know what, that sounds great, but given that that's never happened before, how's about we go with one or two-year deals at a time until we see that in place? And when we see that in place, let's come back and have a chat then. But at least let the broadcasters know what you're working towards so that you're not going down on your broadcasting rights deal, that at least keep, keep it where it is as your absolute worst-case scenario. But if they know that there's a positive move coming up that's going to be good for the broadcaster, they're going to stay involved and interested, um, even if it means, you know, you've got to do the negotiations every 12, 24 months. So be it. But make sure you're doing what you say you're going to do because it's for the better of everybody. Well, that and like... And none of that's ever going to happen. No. Like, if you try and sell this competition to a broadcaster in Great Britain, and I mean the entire thing, and you say, okay, have I got a have I got a team? What what markets am I missing out on? Okay, I'm missing out on London, I'm missing out on Birmingham. There's nothing in Wales. There's nothing in Ireland. There's nothing in Scotland. Okay, there's nothing in Newcastle. All right, like you're missing it. There's not a team for Liverpool. Okay, it's not a team that that Manchester can say is their team. All right, okay, okay. So what do we got? Well, we got Leeds. Fine, we got Hull. You know, congratulations. Like, for Hull might be the second biggest British market that they've got, which is yeah. fucking outrageous. <laughs> and then they wonder why the TV deal's going down. Of course, I mean. I wouldn't be surprised if Catalan are bringing almost as much to the table TV rights-wise as the rest of the RFL is. Because <laughs> at least they're getting a French broadcaster on side for some games, perhaps. Yeah, they've got something going there, yeah. And, yeah. like, it, it just and it boggles my mind when I see people saying, like, you know what it is? It's that we don't have our players, you know, in commercials and we don't have our players on a question of sport and we don't have our players on this show or that show. And it's like, it, you're looking at it back to front. Like none of these places care about rugby league people or rugby league players because rugby league doesn't care about these places. You know, rugby league can't even put a, a super league team in the biggest media market in Europe. So why would the biggest media market in Europe give us stuff about rugby league? They've got no local relevant content. And that's what it all comes down to. You know, it's this tiny little regional competition. We've talked about this on, you know, this Super League is going to end up being this weird little quirk in British sport, if it isn't already, where people say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, the rest of the country, they play this sport and that sport. And if you go in this little area of England, they play this other weird sport. No one gives a fuck about it except for them. And then, you know, they cry a lot that no one else cares about it, but they don't do anything to make anyone else care about it. 
you know. You know and what they should do? Before, the fucking World Cup legacy. Hasn't that been wonderful? <laughs> it's kicking they, on. It's this kicking World on. Cup legacy is going to be great. It hasn't even worked in fucking England, let alone no. anywhere else in the world. What they should do, okay, is stop thinking about the fact that their game of rugby league is global. And they've got to start looking at the game in England the same way that the AFL look at their game. You know, that is, let's try and peg down the biggest markets we've got in the entire country, put teams there, look after them. We don't care how much money we've got to pour into it. Just do that and just keep driving that in there and making sure that we're also helping the clubs enough so that they can work solely on bringing more players through the, the local junior markets. That's that's what they've got to start thinking of doing. But, but look, I know the, the, the AFL's got a different thing because it does have quite a bit of a head start, but um, it's more about the marketing concept. Like, stop thinking about trying to go to all the local areas and stuff like that. You know, when the AFL brings in a new team now, it's not coming from another suburb of Melbourne. They've realised, you know what? That market's flooded. They expand further. And there's not many expansion areas left. But they're looking at them and they're taking the time to go through them all. Sure, they made a bit of a fuck up the last time around. But that was more dickheaded attitude about, oh, we've got to compete rugby league in their markets. And go, yeah, you don't. Um, yeah, and they, and they don't. You no, know? They, and, they don't the, need to. The thing about AFL, though, is they, got, they were in a point in the 90s where they were basically a, a Melbourne-based competition, and, and you know, rugby league. You go back to the to the very early eighties. It was a the, the NRL as we know it today was a Sydney-based competition, and they all knew they had to start expanding, and they started to bring in clubs. And you know, if they hadn't have done that, I mean, could you imagine what rugby league or the NRL as we say today would be in terms of a a television product and a product on the field and marketing and everything. If it had, you know, if the, if the furthest team away was Penrith and the furthest team South was Illawarra, even, you know, it, it would be been, just this minuscule little non-event. And that's what Super League by, is to Brits. It would have been swallowed by AFL because AFL was, was already at that stage, even though they didn't have teams in the national comp, they had AFL in every capital city. But, but, like, they had to work for that, is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely they did. But they did have that leg up. Like, they even had AFL being played in Sydney before they moved South Melbourne up there to become the Swans. Yeah. Because AFL's been played in Sydney as long as Rugby League has been. Okay, so they've already got a foothold in all these markets. They They were smart enough to do that. Rugby League wasn't doing that. Like, every time it went to Melbourne, it was like, oh, there's an English tour coming over in two years' time. Let's try and kickstart a, a local competition there and see if we can find one or two absolute freak talents we otherwise would have missed. Oh, they're going to come to Adelaide in 30 years' time. We'll put a team, you know, have a little comment in Adelaide. And there's all this stop-start shit that no one gave a shit about. And it still goes on. There's still this in, intermittent attitudes towards rugby league in the cities where we don't have an NRL site. That, that's, that's true. And, and that's, that is right. That is right on their behalf. And... That's what you get when you don't have a team in that area. Why should Adelaide care about the NRL when they don't have a team to follow? They should. Yeah, but, but it's a, it's one of those things where the the same the same rule though applies over in England. Like, exactly. Yeah, you're not going to get a local market to to care if there's no structure set up. Not even a national team, but there's no structure set up there even for a local comp for 
you know, to build towards. That's why I was, I'm still not getting the reason why the Dolphins were brought in. Well, the reason the Dolphins were brought in is because it is, it is more relevant content in the third biggest broadcasting market in Australia that, that wanted it. You know, there was capacity for it. And so that makes sense. Okay. There's, there's no relevant content for Liverpool in England. I'm talking about now. There's no yeah. relevant con- local content for Newcastle. There's no local relevant content for Bradford. There's no local relevant content for Sheffield or Birmingham or London or Cardiff or Dublin or Belfast. Like I could go on and on. And then they wonder why none of these broadcasters, these national broadcasters want to pick up the Super League license for much at all. It's incredible. It's incredible that anybody couldn't work that out. And, you know, they'll keep twiddling their thumbs and saying, I don't understand it. I th- you know what? I think it's just the national media is against us. National media isn't against rugby league in the UK. There's it just doesn't no reason you exist. There's no re- well, there's no reason to talk about them. Can, can you imagine going to your fucking editor in, in a London newspaper and saying, hey, i got a really good story, right? really good sports story, and say, tell me about it. Well... It's about this team, and they're in a league. And it's like, okay, all right, what is it? And it's like, well, you know, they're going really well this year. Lee, yeah. Dude, this is fucking London. We're a national newspaper. I don't want towny fucking talk. I want national relevant content. You're fired. One of the trains, it's in the tube that comes every two minutes, has the same population as Lee. Why should I care? You're not even fucking joking, man. No, like, there are it's... roads around London that have that see more people driving on them than like a handful of Super League clubs have in their entire towns every fucking day. And that's so. That's why the Super League deal is so terrible. Because if you look at the Super League competition from a broadcaster's point of view, you got nothing to work with here. No, that's why they need to start working on. Long-term plans. I mean, and that's what this IMG mob are there to try and do. Um, well, it, it can't even be long-term anymore, though. It's got to be, like, within five years we have... Oh, yeah, but, I mean, you've got to have all the different lengths. So you've got to have something that we're planning on for the next two, three years, something for the next five years, ten years. But you also got to be looking down the track. Like, you've got to have these constant goals and targets. So you got keep having something to move towards to keep trying to grow the, problem, uh, grow the game and stuff. But the problem they've got is... Instead of just being able to come in and go, right, let's fix up the administration and how this game's running, that they can't get to that point to start with because the attitude and the culture around the game there is so small-minded and so mm. closed-minded. Yeah, they've got to break that first. Yeah, and that's that's never been done before. No, and it's not going to, and and that's why it's just going to all fade off, and they'll all wonder why, and. and you know, this idea of being the big hero in your tiny little town is a big part of Super League's attitude towards itself. You know, where they they were like, oh, I remember he, he did this and, you know, the town went crazy and stuff. It's like fantastic. Cool. No one else gave a fuck. You know, it was a tiny little event in a tiny little part of England and no one else cared. And you can't piss and moan because no one else cares, especially when you cultivate that tiny little attitude and you refuse to open it up to anyone else. Like, 
rugby league. How how old did you say? One hundred twenty six years. One hundred twenty nine. One hundred twenty nine years. Yep. And and fucking Lee. Yeah. Look at well, the look how, Cup. Look how far it's travelled. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why Super League doesn't have a, a good broadcasting deal. And, and why it never will. And it's just going to fade away, become an amateur sport in England. And that's why I've said many times before, like there's plenty of other places to pour resources that are, where the game's actually growing. Because once again, there's another marker that shows the game in England is going backwards and it's not going to, it's not going to stop anytime soon. Well, you know, they'll, they'll do a few tours and stuff that, that'll make it all better. Yeah. They, yeah. And that's, that was, <laughs> You know, and then they'll lose and they'll they'll blame someone else. I mean, last time they played a tour and everyone beat them and they said it was Wayne Bennett's fault. Like, well, of course. Fucking morons. And I'm not talking about the fans. I'm no. not talking about the fans. I'm talking about the people that actually run the game. Because yeah. I understand there are plenty of English fans that I've talked to over many years that have said, dude, you're saying all the right stuff. And we all know. We all know. So... Should we um, head back to more local content? Let's get some more relevant content on the podcast. Let's go to the nation's capital, shall we? We we shall, we shall. Okay. Um, so Brisbane, mm. go down to Canberra to take on take on the mighty Canberra Raiders. And look, it was a it was a strong, close, intense contest for the first hour of the game. <laughs> it was. It was a really entertaining game. Yeah. And then Ricky Stewart goes down to the sideline. And this weird phenomenon happens where the head coach goes down to the sideline and starts losing his shit and carrying on and swearing at the cameras. And weirdly enough, the team he coaches at the same time completely loses their mind, turns into a fucking clown show and gets whipped for the last 15 minutes of the game. Isn't yeah. that strange how that happens? It, it is strange how that happens. Um, and from that, Ricky Stewart was seeing quite clearly. You didn't have to be too much of a uh, of a professional at lip reading to see that he's told the cameraman to fuck off. Yep. Um, and Fox Sports have apologised for being sworn at. I mean, if that's not a break and after a moment, I don't know what is. Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? And... Um, it's pretty nuts because we've had um, that slug in the journo world, um, Paul Crawley. I call him a slug because he's got no backbone. Yeah. Um, and no balls either. Yeah. Um, he's come out and defended Ricky Stewart and saying, oh, people shouldn't be picking on him. I didn't read any further than that. I don't care. I know what it's going to be. It's going to be some sort of wake about how tough Ricky's doing it. And, yeah, you exactly. know. But the same level of... Um, you know, protection of Ricky Stewart wasn't extended to say Brendan Smith. What was it two years ago when he swore on a podcast? Yes. Or, or uh, how about the Panthers? Well, heaven, oh, heaven forbid! I was going to say, heaven forbid, the Panthers for being arrogant, and that's not even fact. That's assumed because they were celebrating scoring tries. Yeah. Somehow mm. that deserves the ire of the media, but the media being told to fuck off by Ricky Stewart, deserves an apology from the media. How the fuck does this work? Yeah, I don't understand it. And you know, especially when you consider Ricky Stewart's behaviour, which is, I, I mean, 
he, he must have, he's got a personality disorder. You know, he's just. I think he's just fragile. Well, the th- like he's he goes into the press conference after the match, and of course it's all a referee's fault, and it's this big conspiracy, and he knows what it is, but he can't tell anyone about it because he'll get fined. And it's like, yes, Ricky, everyone's trying to do everything they can to stop Canberra from winning the competition. And this is the the big thing about this game, about the Raiders game against the Broncos. The Raiders decided to have Jared Crocker on the bench. Now, Jared Crocker, I would bet he has played more games at centre than any player in the history of the NRL, which is outrageous, by the way, because he's not a winger. How many games would he have played on the wing? I'm guessing maybe five to seven, right? You keep talking. I'll look it up for you. I'm guessing five to – I haven't looked this up, by the way. Uh, Like, I would say that he's probably played at centre 285 games, something like that. Okay, um, in the in the NRL, mm-hmm. one game on the wing. Okay, three hundred and five games at centre. Okay, that like et et played a lot of games on the wing and a fullback. Yeah, so what's et as a centre? I'd be surprised if he got to two fifty. To be honest, really, he yeah. was a winger for a long time early on, wasn't he? Let's see. NRL, 26 games of fullback, three at the wing, 279 at centre. Okay, so it's not him, and that's it, really. 13 at 5'8". Yeah, he played 13 at 5'8". That's interesting. I can't think of anyone else. Can you think of anyone else that's a 305-game player as a pure centre alone? Not a Ruben Wickey didn't because he moved to the forwards uh-huh. pretty pretty much halfway through his career. Mal Meninga didn't play 300 games from memory. No, he barely got to 240. Yes, around that, yeah. Um, Because he had a lot of broken arms that stopped him playing a lot of games. Yeah. Um, Who else would there be? It's a centre. Maybe Brent Tate and Justin Hodges. I don't think they played 300 games. I'm just going to cheat and get the answer. Okay, okay. If I can. And um, while, while you're doing that, the, my point being, he is purely a centre. He's not someone that has anything as a fullback, as a winger, as a 5'8". He has played 305 games as a centre. And Ricky Stewart selected him in the team on the bench. Now, that means he's not good enough to start in the centres, Right. And if he's not good enough to start in the centres, he's obviously not what you want on the bench for a player because he just has no versatility. And that means that the Raiders were playing with one man down for the entire match because they haven't got a bench rotation. They're one man short, right? Ricky Stewart put him on in the last, I think it was two minutes and 30 seconds. And in actual game time, it was maybe 50 seconds of actual in play. You know, because there was yeah. a lot of I think he did one one hit up and had one tackle or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So Ricky Stewart runs out there with one less player to use in his squad than the, the Brisbane Broncos, who are were in second place on the ladder. And then he dare goes to a press conference and say it's a conspiracy to to make the Raiders not win. <laughs> like there's zero accountability there in Canberra. 
they, they, for some reason, they think the whole club should be a charity for Jared Crocker. I don't understand why. And that's why that club fails. I would have sacked Ricky Stewart immediately after that game, but the Raiders won't do that because, you know, they've got no spine in their front office. It's fucking incredible that a, a team could be run so poorly just on the whims of one guy that thinks everyone's out to get him for no fucking good reason at all. All right, well, there's four players who have played over 250 games at centre. Okay, can I try and guess them? And there's 16 that have played 200 or more. Okay, I'll do the 250. Was it 250? 250, yes, four of them. Okay. And you've, you've already named two of them. Okay, was that Tate and uh, Hodges? Uh, no, neither of those. Okay. E.T.? E.T., yep. And obviously Croker. Croker is actually at the top. 300. Yeah. He's the only one to get the 300 games. Yeah, as a centre. Um. Yep. So E.T. was third with 279. Okay. Um, he's, he's got one game more than fourth place, and second place had 295 games. As a centre? Yep. 295 games as a centre. Oh, man. Played for three clubs. And this is just NRL appearances? Yep. Okay. This Man, this is going to really and be... They, uh, oh, uh, Morris? Josh Morris, yes, 278. He's fourth. Yep. 295. 295. I believe... I'll try and give it away by being as uh, indirectly confusing as possible. I don't believe he actually retired, but he's not actually playing anymore. Oh, man, that just muddies the water. <laughs> That's the plan. Yeah. Uh... Played um, over 100 games at centre for Parramatta and for Penrith each. It's not Graham McCoy, is it? No. And 71 games for the oh, Roosters. Oh, Michael Jennings. That's the one. Wow, yeah. He got to 295. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. 295 with an asterisk. <laughs> well, it was. Would yes. he played 295 games without the fucking uh, supplementation? Probably I, not. I dare say he probably would have been on the wing for a lot more games. Yeah, yeah. But there we go. They were they were the top uh, top four. That's interesting. I'll quickly go through the others. Okay. Uh, I'll just read them in order: Jamie Lyon, Steve Madai, Nigel Vunganar, Terry Hill, Will Chambers, Michael Cronin, Matt Cooper, Dean Gagai, Justin Hodges, Brian Hetherington, Brent Tate, and Mark Coyne. And Ron Ooh. Gittow from the eighties. He had one hundred and ninety nine. Wow, that's that's actually impressive. Yeah, that's really impressive. That one. I was going to say Coyne is impressive different era, you know? It is. Uh, Brian Hetherington, too, because he played in the 80s and 90s. Oh, really? But most of them are all regular guys. Michael yeah. Cronin, 70s and 80s. Um, yeah. Who's Okay, here's one. Uh, Reg Gasney. What's he at? I bet it's kind of weirdly low. Oh, I'm pretty sure Reg only played 120-odd games. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's have a look. Yeah, 124 games. That's crazy, hey? And 127 tries. That's... And, a, and 104 wins. That's even crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and you know what's you know insane is that his winning percentage is not as good as Jerome Luai. No. Which is um, insane. 
Let's find the best win percentage for someone on here who's played more than just, you know, it was, a few uh, games. And I'm talking it, just about centres. Oh, just centres. Okay. Yeah. okay. Let's see. Matt Burton, 19 games, 18 wins and a loss. Is that too few? Wow. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Okay. Johnny Riley for the Dragons. He had 51 games, 45 wins at 88%. That's pretty good. Um, Reg Gasney is the next one. Okay. And then, remember, Steve, and then Stephen Crichton, 78 games, 65 wins, a draw and 12 losses. That's 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 crazy. So he's when only, I was he's when only I was, half a percent behind Gaznia. When I was doing the winning percentages with Luai, and uh, I was kind of looking for players that were around like 90 games, 80 games, you know. So um, Isaac Tungo, he had a better winning percentage, but he hadn't played that many games. Um. And that's the thing about Luai is that he was playing, I think, his 100th game that weekend that I looked it up. And the winning percentage plus the 100 games was kind of outrageous. Yeah. So, yeah. And I did find some players, but there weren't many. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah, um, and clearly they're they only putting Croker on the bench just so he could have his final game at home. And you go, is that really a risky take against one of the top teams in the competition? And you are fighting for your life to remain in the finals. Do you really take that bloody risk? Yeah, and it's like it, that's why I say it's not a charity event. And like, and let's, and let's be honest, if he hadn't have played that game, mm-hmm. he still would have played his last game at, at Canberra Stadium. It just would have been the game before. Yeah, and they, look, they could have had, if they wanted him to have a, you know, a, a, I mean, his last, his last, man, his last 200 appearances shouldn't have happened. But if they wanted his last appearance at Canberra Stadium to be that, they should have put him on the back of a ute and drove it around at half time so he could have waved at the crowd because he would have done more than sitting on the bench for 78 minutes and then running on and running the ball once. And yeah. it's that sort of thinking is why the Canberra Raiders are failures under Ricky Stewart. That Ricky Stewart thinks that you can do that just shows that he's not a first-grade coach. Yeah, it's weird that you... I don't know. There's, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, loyalty in the game and stuff like that. And whenever someone goes to say, show some loyalty to a player... It's always going to end up, more often than not, a bad decision mm-hmm. because you've got to throw away what's sensible and logical mm-hmm. in order to do something that isn't. And I don't know, why would you carry a a specialist center on the bench? Forget forget his ability, all sort of stuff. Why yeah. would you carry a specialist center on the bench of a football game? Like... You need your bench to be either mobile forwards or a utility back. Mm-hmm. Why would you carry a centre? He can't play anywhere else except centre. Yes. That's what's stupid. Crazy. And it pissed me off. It pissed me off for Raiders fans. Like, I know I know, we've started the podcast and I seem angry, and it's because I fucking am. Because I was watching, like, when I found out he was on the bench, I flipped out for for fucking Raiders fans. And Raiders fans think I don't like them. I like Raiders fans. I just think that their club is a bunch of pea-hearted fucking gutless wonders. That's all. And they are. 
And you saw it in that game. And Raiders fans deserve better than that. And the reason that their club is like that is because of the decisions and the culture that Ricky Stewart's put in place. Yeah. I'm going to talk about, yeah, while we're still on Canberra. Yeah. Right. Their fate is in their own hands, basically. Mm-hmm. If they beat Cronulla on Sunday, they will stay in the finals. Yes. But if they lose and South beat the Roosters, Penrith can then choose, mind you, it's the day before, whether they want Canberra to be in the finals or not. Because <laughs> if they go, you know what? We don't want Canberra in the finals. We're mm. just going to run out a bunch of reserve graders and let the Cowboys beat us. Mm. Penrith are only going to stay you know, at second place. They're not going to drop any lower than that. Yeah. Which is where they already are. Yeah. They'll stay there. But that will mean South will go to 32 points, which is what Canberra's on, and the Cowboys will go to 32 points. But because Canberra's points difference is atrocious compared mm-hmm. to the other two, mm-hmm. they will drop down to ninth. Actually, no, they'd, yeah, they'd drop down to ninth on the ladder and they'd miss out on the finals altogether. It's going to be an interesting one because <clears throat> the, the, the Panthers, I mean, I was, I was actually listening to, and I don't know where I heard it, I heard somebody talking about it, but they were saying that um, that Jerome Lawai injury has put a bit of fear into the rest of the competition because this weekend we had so many players get injured. We had Jerome Lawai, who's probably the, the big one, um, and it's really because there's so much, like Penrith are going for some pretty historical stuff and it all was looking good until that injury. And now it puts pressure on them. Um, you had Hughes down in Melbourne. He picked up a little bit of an injury. He should be all right for week one. Ponga, who did an AC joint in his shoulder, which normally you need a good month off to then carry it for the rest of the, the season. And you're going to be in pain. Um, Nathan Cleary carried it, and he, but he had that time off and then come back and he carried that injury, I think it was last year, through the grand final. Yeah. We we had so many players picking up these injuries. and But the Jerome Luai one, it's like if you get an injury in the late stages of this competition like his, like your season can be in jeopardy or over for most teams. And so why would you risk it? Now, as you say, Penrith doesn't really. They can win the minor premiership if if the Broncos lose to the to the Storm, and that would be good. But Penrith are aiming higher than that, and you can yeah. you could see them saying, "Look, let's just rest everyone, take the take the loss or a lesser result, and we're in second place." You know, everything's fine from that point on. Um. But a lot of these other teams can't really afford to do that. Should I give you a bit of a, a recent history head-to-head for Melbourne versus Storm? Yes. Oh, sorry, Melbourne versus the Broncos. Yes, yes, go ahead. The last seven games between the Broncos and the Storm at Suncorp have all been won by the Storm, and the average score has been 44 to 10. <laughs> so here they are, 2016. They won 48-6, 2017, 42-12, 2018, 34-20, 2019, 40-4, 2020, 46-8, 2021, 40-12, and 2022, 60-12. Their worst performance was scoring 34 points in those seven games at Suncorp. Um, 
and there's there was another one, something like um, I can't remember it now. It was even more fucking insane. The the storm record over the Broncos is ridiculous. Uh, like overall, oh, recent and overall. Um, what have we got here? Um, Melbourne have won the last thirteen games against the Broncos, and on ten of those occasions, they've scored at least thirty points and won by an average of twenty four. Jeez. Head to head, there've been fifty three games. The Storm have won thirty nine. That, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And the majority of those Broncos wins are in the first four or five years. Yeah. So there's been fuck all in the last fifteen fifteen years. See, this is the thing for the Broncos. Like, if they can win that game, and like Kevin Walters takes over a literally the wooden spooners and takes yeah. them to winning the minor premiership, that's fucking historic. That's historically yeah. good. You know, it makes you, you wonder why the West Tigers could never achieve that. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're working towards. I know, right? Just give them ten I've more years, a, Andrew. I've got a quote for you. Yeah, Chairman Lee. Mm-hmm. The man with the hat. Yeah, this is his special this little is hat. His, this is his quote a week ago. Mm-hmm. Until we see this through and enjoy premiership success, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Fuck this guy. Yeah, he he's the worst. See? He's just the worst. Accountability is for soft cocks. Yeah. Yeah. The absolute weakest specimens out there have... You know, they they do what's right, they have integrity, and they're respected. Fuck those guys. They are soft. Yeah. Yeah. I'm above all of that. you got to be willing to fail and fail and fail and fail and I fail. I will fail as and long as I want. Yeah. Sorry, need. Yeah. <laughs> Until... every, every single failure is getting you closer to and... not failing as much. Still failing, but not failing right. as much. But I'm I'm gonna set myself up with the with the best KPI ever. Yeah. I can fail as much as I want and not leave. And the only reason why I might leave is if we win a premiership. Mm. He's basically saying, I'm here until you've put me in a hole in the fucking ground. <laughs> and he's the boss of the so, club, so he so can do that. Quick poll. Who's yes. going to die first, the West Tigers or Chairman Lee? Oh, the West Tigers, 100%. <laughs> so you want about Chairman Lee? I reckon, like, he, he's a lawyer, so he's living pretty good. He's uh, He's got a nice little hat, so he's not going to get sunburnt. Um, yeah, the club, and he's got, he's got the right hat to bury something, too. Well, he's got the perfect hat to take the hat off and hold it over his chest while they're lowering the club's corpse into the ground. Yeah. He's he's fucking shit. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, I've got some stats that I did last week. Okay. You remember, well, it was two episodes now, we talked about um, the health of NRL clubs based on the dodgy, incomplete data that the Sydney... Oh, was it Daily Telegraph used? Daily Telegraph, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I figured I'd use one using actual data. Okay. That doesn't include the flimsy shit about social media. Okay, yep. Um, and doesn't include membership numbers. Okay. Because a lot of those are also a bit frivolous because some clubs were including, say, memberships for pets. Yeah, 
and that while as uh, whereas other clubs weren't stopped reporting like it in March and stuff. That's membership. right. Yeah. So what I decided to look at was purely on-field stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to look at ways that um, club officials and coaches, right, can shape their squad around your key players. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people say your spine is your fullback, both your halves and your hooker. Yeah. I've chosen to go with fullback, halfback, hooker. Okay. Right, so you've got your your chief playmakers in, in your backs, your halves, and your forwards. Yeah. So you work around those three players. So what I've done is I've, I've gone through and I've got the total number of players used by each club from 2013 to now. Mm-hmm. Then I've also broken it down to the total number of fullbacks, halfbacks, hookers they've used. Mm-hmm. The total number of unique combinations of those three players. Mm-hmm. I've added up the ladder position for every single week they've been there. So, you know, if a team was first for 24 weeks, and that's one plus one plus one 24 times, that's 24. Mm-hmm. You do that over the year. So you're getting an, an, an absolute score of their ladder position over that whole period. So I'd say ladder score as well as their, I guess, their continuity in their squad. Yep. Yep. All of their playmate amongst their playmakers, I should amongst say. Amongst their playmates. But I've also got the total number of players they've used as well. So you're seeing the okay. number of churn of players. Okay. Um, yep. And also the number of coaches they've used, including interim and filling coaches. Okay. Right? <laughs> no, so no, some of these numbers are going to be so funny. Okay. Yeah. And at the end, I've put on there the number of losses because I've gone, like, number of losses the, the teams had on the field and results. Okay. Because what I was doing is I made a point system where I added, added it all up, and the team that had the highest, uh, the team that had the lowest score was the better team. Okay. So this is 2013 to 2023. Okay. Melbourne's at the top. Are they at the top, like by a mile? Comfortably, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Um, and then it's pretty close for the next three, which is South, then yep. the Roosters, and Penrith. Okay. Yep. Um. Then we've got a, another small group coming in. Cronulla's pretty high up. Mm-hmm. Um, and theirs is different because um, they've had more coaches than the teams around them because yeah. of the whole flooding and shit that went on there and all the interim coaches they used through that. They've yeah. had more losses than all, the, than all the teams above them. Yeah. But they've been really, really strong at keeping their chief spine playmakers together. Mm-hmm. And they've not gone through a lot of players. Mm-hmm. Um. Brisbane, Manly, Parramatta, Canberra. We're getting to the lower end of the clubs now. The Cowboys have used the least number of players. Oh, that's interesting. Um, they've only used 102. In 10 years? Yeah. That's outrageous. All right. So to put it in perspective, um, the so they've got 102. Most of the clubs I've mentioned already are between 106 and 117. Yeah. Uh, Manly and Parramatta both used 119. The next four clubs all used 129 players. Mm-hmm. So you can see there's a bit of a drop down there. Mm-hmm. That's the Dragons, the Warriors, the Knights, and the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. And then the two clear worst teams. Mm-hmm. The Titans. Yep. And at last place is the Tigers. And okay, the, Titans, now... the Titans and the Tigers have both used 141 players. Okay. Um now, the Tigers in there would have been helped out by the fact that 
Robbie Farrell was there for a, a, a whack, right? And then you have Luke Brooks, who's basically there the whole time as a seven. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like everything's a disaster for them in terms of the numbers, but are they the worst team on your on your ladder yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, comfortably. Okay. Well, they're they're clearly the worst team, but um, the Titans aren't too far away. But the Titans are a little bit better. Yeah. So the Tigers have used the most fullbacks. They've had twenty one. Yeah. And at the other end, the Roosters have had the least with nine. Okay, yeah. Most of the teams are around, um, say, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. So Penrith have got 14. Melbourne at the top with 12. Um, for halfbacks, South and Cronulla have only had eight. Mm-hmm. Manly have had nine. Um, the Tigers had 16. Penrith mm-hmm. have had 13. Mm-hmm. Brisbane are the worst with 17. I oh, know. Sorry. The Bulldogs are worse with 18. Okay. 17. Mm-hmm. For hookers, Melbourne, obviously. Yeah. They've only had seven. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. South have had nine. Okay. Um, then we go down to the Penrith have had 13. The Tigers have had 17, but the worst are the Titans with 19. Okay, yeah. So the number of combinations of those three, one, seven, nine combos. Uh, no, it, it's interesting. Can I just say with the Titans there, it's interesting because the Titans always feel like they're the beginning of a work in progress. Yeah, always. Yeah, and it's just they've always been that. Yeah. And the Tigers are always on the the year before at bottoms out. Yeah, because <laughs> you know they've got one year ahead of them where it's going to get worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just keep doing that. But isn't it funny? Like if you took if you took a list of the plays the Titans have had in that ten year span, like there are some outstanding, best in the world type players in there. Like mm. big big Tino, you look at him alone. You know he's probably the best prop forward in the world. Yep. Um, and the thing is, they're always the working progress. So like even Brimson at, at fullback and. You know, you've got Campbell at fullback, but is he a 5'8"? Let's try him at 5'8", but let's put him back to fullback. All those sorts of things. And it always feels like they're trying to build something, but they've only just started, and it's been 10 years of that sort of thing now. Whereas, the the you know, you look at the West Tigers, and that's a different scenario. It's a bit of a mess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the combination, Melbourne have had 49. Mm-hmm. 49. Cronel- Different different one seven nine combinations. Okay, yep, yep. Cronulla's got the best with thirty seven. Mm-hmm. Penrith's got sixty five. Mm-hmm. The Tigers have got seventy four, and the Titans are the worst with seventy nine. The Titans, yeah. I I think you know the thing that would skew that a little bit that number, um, Origin. Yeah, yeah. But still, Absolutely. it shows you like even with Origin added. The likes of, say, the Roosters, Penrith, uh, the Storm, even to a certain extent, like someone like the the Cowboys and the Broncos and that, their, you know, their numbers aren't terrible. No. So we'll go with the combined ladder position one, and Melbourne have this wrapped up so comfortably. Their total ladder position all up, added them all up for the years, eight hundred and fifty. Yeah. Right. So at the moment, that's a number. That means nothing. Yeah. The second best team is now Penrith. 
mm-hmm. and their total is 1,484. Wow. And who's third? Third is South with 1,509. Whoa, that's a big jump even. Yeah. So it's, wow, that really shows. That's incredible. And then the Titans? Yeah. 2,747. Jesus. <laughs> and the Tigers? Yeah. So the Titans, 2,747. Tigers, 2,869. <laughs> they are 2,019 more than Melbourne. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those guys. That's crazy. That is crazy. Holy shit. Um. Who's... Who's the third worst on that? Is it? Uh, let me guess. Actually, no. The the Titans are the third worst. The second okay. worst. Yeah. You can guess that one if you want. The second worst in that time. Uh oh, it's got to be. Is it Bulldogs or Knights? Bulldogs. Then okay, Knights. Yeah. <laughs> Knights and, are fourth worst. Okay. Okay. And they, those four teams are a long way clear of the next lot. Yeah, cause, like, and because the Bulldogs and Knights have had ca- a catastrophic event at their clubs. In yeah. terms of like historic bottoming out for a long time, um, the, whereas the the Titans haven't had that, and the Tigers are the Tigers. They're just so. There's only two teams in that period that have had less than a hundred losses for results mm-hmm. on the field: mm-hmm. Melbourne with eighty-two and Penrith with ninety-nine. Wow. At the other end, <laughs> yeah. So we'll do the bottom four here because they're all pretty close. Yeah. Bulldogs 160, Knights 161, Titans 167, Tigers 169. No way. The Tigers have had a worse decade than the than anyone. Yep. Oh my god. Yep. That's great. I would I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought it was the Bulldogs or the Knights. It's that's it outrageous. Show, it shows you though because the Bulldogs and the Knights and even the Titans yeah, have had a, even one or two seasons where they made the finals. Yeah, and that's enough to get them. You know, just have those one or two seasons where they don't have double digits losses, for example. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Tigers have just had double digits losses every year. That's great. That's insane. Yeah, imagine being able to say you've had a worse decade than the Knights and the Bulldogs. Yes. Here's the one which I think is the biggest killer for club administrators, and that is the number of coaches you've had. Yeah. Yeah. So Melbourne's obviously top because they've only had one. One, which is in itself is insane. Yeah. Parramatta's had two. Okay, yep. The Roosters have had three. Mm-hmm. Um, Penrith and Manly have had four. Mm-hmm. South, Brisbane... Canberra, Cowboys, the Dragons have all had five. Um, Knights and Bulldogs have had six. Cronulla and Warriors have had seven. Mm-hmm. Cronulla, though, was impacted by all that Flanagan bullshit because they had about yep. four different interims during that period. Yeah. The Tides and the Tigers are both the worst with eight each. Wow. That's almost one a year. Yeah. A new coach every year, basically, yeah. Yep. So... The teams that have had the most coaches have also had the most number of players mm-hmm. and have, you know, the 
for the Tigers have had the most number of fullbacks and the Titans had the most number of hookers. And they've both had the most number of or second and no, third most and most number of different combinations in the halves. So what's what's proven is that every every area they've provided instability. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's impacted stability in every other aspect of the club as well, the whole way through. Yeah, yeah. There's the thing that gets me is there's not one positive area to point to when it comes to the Tigers. No. Like, what's the most? If you okay, you look at the last decade of the West Tigers, right? Like, what is the biggest positive you can get out of the last decade? Like, I haven't really folded. They haven't folded. No, but just say, let's put on, like, the rosiest coloured glasses. Let's put on rose-coloured glasses and a funny little hat. And what would you – can you think of anything that is like, well, at least we did this. They got rid of the demandables? Maybe, yeah. Maybe. They've – they, they did they've take... not a, they've not a, I think that's been a ten year work in progress. Whereas every other club's been getting the centre of excellence in much shorter time. Yeah, true, true. Um, every they... other club's been getting upgrades to their home grounds. Whereas the West Tigers move around that much, they've just got to you know scab off every other team that's already got a home ground set up and use that instead. They take a lot of games to different areas. Yeah, Maybe which doesn't help anything. Not... Yeah, yeah, it doesn't help them. I'd say the only thing they've got going for them this year is their defence is not the worst, mm-hmm. and that is barely much to hang your hat on, given that it's not far off the worst. Yeah. Um, over the last 11 games, the Dolphins have been way worse. I think the Dolphins have averaged 41 points against in their last 10 games. Yeah, and we, we kind of picked that before the season started. They They just got into their... Once their very best team started having a they got into the rotation of suspensions and injuries and, and all the stuff that everyone else deals with. There was just no depth there because they're a new club. That was always going to happen. And we called that pretty a beat before the season started. Yeah. So that's, I think is a much more accurate look at the health of clubs. Yeah. So do I, although I am shocked that the West Tigers are just that rock bottom compared to the Knights and, and the Bulldogs, especially the Bulldogs who even, like, I mean, they're going better than they were three years ago and they're terrible still. Yeah. So, yeah, that's outrageous. There you go. And and as I said, that's more designed to look at how the way the club is managed, both Mm -hmm. by the coaching staff and by the people who hire the coaches, how what they do impacts the on-field results. Yeah, it, it, it all flows downhill and, like... I think there are some clubs that have relief valves for that, and I say that as a Panthers fan who has seen the club run terribly and yet go okay at times because the juniors were coming through and it kind of made every this situation look better than it was. Yeah. Um, and I think of that season under Matthew Elliott where they came second, um, that, that was one of those situations. But then you see other clubs and they just don't have those relief valves there. All right, so what else has been going on now? We've got all the all of the number crunchings out of the way. I've, I've bored everyone to death with the stats. No, that's really interesting. That that sort of thing makes me have to sit down for five minutes and really think, hey? <laughs> like, <laughs> I really need to contemplate what all of that means. 
Um, and of course, you look at the you look at the top and the bottom of lists like that, and it, it's telling. It's really telling. Oh yeah, it really is. Um, so I'm I'm kind of hoping that um, people with much better knowledge of how to put that sort of data together and how to expand upon it can grab that sort of information and tell a much better, more thorough, in-depth story about the way clubs are running, the, excuse me, the health of clubs as well, mm-hmm. so that you can start, you know, actually proving points with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it's a better it's a better table to put together than the one that we were looking at uh, the other week that they come out from the uh, News Limited. Uh, well, but, yeah, I mean, you might as well, you know, go out there and tack on the end, you know, the length combined cock length of all the players in the squad as well over the last 13 years, put that on the end. Uh, what the what were the hell was that? What was the point of it? Exactly. exactly. So stupid. And then they went and just put all the teams in alphabetical order as if that was the rank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? So weird. Um, hasn't it been hasn't it been strange to see the way that the the corporate media has carried on the last week or so? Like they've really gone to a really special place with some of the stories. So there was the story that came out of South about um, Clive Churchill's son, who, like, <laughs> you know how we talk about, and and you you laugh when this always comes up. Like one of the players' wives have said something on the Instagram. And and yeah. I just go to that place in my head where I just I just I I go I don't care I don't care what they say right well, that's how I feel about Clive Churchill's son and what he feels about South right but he apparently texted somebody within the club and was not happy at Latrell Mitchell and he wasn't happy at Latrell Mitchell on the level that I would expect out of a common fan, which is fine because he's a common fan. Like he hasn't got any, any job at the club. Like he's just a guy, yeah. you know? Um, but unfortunately because he's the person that's there to give the Clive Churchill medal out, he is, he's got some sort of standing, I guess. You it's, know, well, it's, it's kind of by proxy, you know, it's, yeah, it's the surname. Yeah, like I would hope that one day his son gives the medal. I think it's a lovely thing. Like when Clive Churchill's wife gave out the medal, I thought that was lovely and that it went to his son. I thought that was wonderful and I hope it continues down the line, you know. Um, and the, but the media really blew up this text message, which I thought was a little bit unfair. And the text messages were pretty full on but they to me they sounded like a, a fan of a club that was not happy about a player you know mm. uh pretty full on but it was a fan's reaction um and the media really took it took it and ran with it I, that's which is the weird thing for me i didn't understand that they went stupid yeah and look that's not surprising no no that's the that's the only thing they know how to go I saw Andrew Webster, who's another hack. <laughs> he was saying that oh, they need to revoke his, they need to revoke Church, Clive Churchill's son's invitation to the grand final. And as soon as I read that, I was like, well, that's obviously a bad idea if he thought that. Absolutely, we, we have to extend an unlimited invitation at this point. I saw an article by Fox Sports the other day. I did not read it. 
I just mm-hmm. saw the blurb I put on Twitter. It says, the next time a Rabbitohs player wins man of the match in the NRL Grand Final, players will reportedly refuse to accept the Clive Churchill medal. And my response was, that's a load of bullshit. Yeah, that's let's, not, yeah. Let's say, for example, the next time the, the Bunnies make the Grand Final and a player wins the Clive Churchill medal, and it's, say, 2039. <laughs> no one's holding that fucking grudge for that long. No way. Get fucked. No way. And that's the sort of shit that the media does. As if that's got any fucking legs. With the, and this, the media, because they're not involved in the game, and they love calling themselves insiders, but they're, they're more outside than a fan is. Because unlike a fan who a player is happy to have a chat with and get a photo with, I actually got a photo with Panthers player on the weekend. But uh, Insider. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, good, good mates. You keep that up, I'll have to start calling you a journo. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like that, the, the players don't want to talk to the journalists. They're, they're the ultimate outsiders. And you just got to look at these journalists and understand they're, they're not, they're not the people that footballers want to deal with. They're just not. They're nobodies. Yeah, yeah. They're nobodies with fucking huge egos, and I don't know why they've got fucking huge egos. I was listening to uh, Triple M a couple of weeks ago while I was getting a Porto, and uh, they had one of the News Limited hacks on, and one of, somebody asked this News Limited hack, how come now when they write a story, there are like three or four names attached to the story? And they explained that, it has to do with the way that KPIs are for journalists these days. <laughs> and they, and uh, here's the thing, and it was really telling because they said it out loud. They said that there might be a story that, like, there are elements that, say, three journalists put together to make the entire story. Or, you know, or two of them might get the same info at the same time and bring it in at the same time and, and things like that. And the way that they do the stories is that a lot of it, a lot of their KPIs have to do with social media engagement. Now, they don't mean engagement as in back and forth. What they mean is retweets or replies to an article and things like that. Now, go and look at any of these mainstream, they're not mainstream. I keep on saying that they're corporate media. They're not mainstream. The corporate media, if you look at a lot of their articles that they put up in terms of rugby league, go and look at the replies. They're not complimentary. Go and look at the retweets with quotes. They're not complimentary. But that is the driving force for these media organisations. So they know that they're putting out shit, but that shit has to be... Like, if you put out a shitty article that... A thousand people retweet and say, can you believe this crap? That's a great day for that journal. Yeah, it's a situation where there, there's nothing, there's no good result here except yeah. for the journal who gets paid for that shit. Yes. Um, the media organisation loses more and more integrity, mm-hmm. if they've got any left. Um, they lose any respect. Um, people start turning away from it. Yeah. Um, just look at how many people have turned away from NRL 360 in the last few years. Yeah. Huge numbers. Um, <clears throat> then 
you find that they find, you know, they then lose respect. And I'm not saying that this is what's happening now uh, in the future. I'm talking about, you know, this is this is just the normal course of action. And we already see it in the in the, the mainstream media and the corporate media now. They lose the respect and the trust of the players. Mm-hmm. So they'll stop talking to them, which makes it harder for them to get stories on them. So then they've got to go and start doing um, nasty types of stories. Yeah. Or getting stories via rumours from people who might know a player or the, the the biggest thing that's helped out a lot of these people has been social media. Yeah. Because the players will go on there and they'll talk stuff. Um, or, they, so, or they do the thing where you and me have talked about where one of them says, one of the journos says something on a TV show. And so it's like, you know, journo says Raiders have no chance this year. And that's the story. But yeah, that's right. They'll, they they're, then they're talk to each other. They're just yeah, talking about each other. That's the one. They then have to create stories where one of them talks to another one. Mm. Um, what I would love to see is a club, all the players in one club. They'll get together and they go, right, this is what we're going to do over the course of this week. We're going to make out like there's a massive fucking rift going on and we're going to talk about it all on social media. Yeah. We don't mean a word of it. Mm. But don't give away either. Okay, and make sure it's a team that's on a bye week so it doesn't impact anything going on in the field or like that, but they can play it up a bit. Yeah. You know, so when they're going to training, they can just have like two or three different groups that go off into different areas and they won't interact <laughs> with one another or they can have a, a mock fight or something like that and it gets taken away and, you know, you can you can ham it up. And see, and how, just, far you can, see how far you can push it into yes. the unbelievable. It's like, this is a weird thing about the Panthers, all the players that wear odd numbers don't like the ones that wear even numbers, and they broke up at training with odd and even numbers. Yeah. So strange, man. That's right. It'd be stupid shit, but you could get away with it. And then in the end, you could just say to the media, the whole thing was a rib. Mm. You guys need to start getting better. Otherwise, we're going to tell all the other clubs to do this sort of stuff. We're not going to tell you which ones are going to do it, and then we're all going to be doing it every single year, and you're not going to know. Yeah. And you've got to pick apart... The bullshit from the facts. I wonder if the, the journos would care, though, because I think that all they care about is that they get the reaction. Uh, they, they care because, yeah, because eventually it'll, it'll lead to the fans seeing, because that's this is the thing at the moment. More and more fans are opposed to what the journos are doing, mm-hmm. and they're going to get more and more. I mean, we saw with the recent um, media bands that the players did, so many fans are on the side of the players. Yeah, and it didn't, like, and I know you and me are a little bit different in terms of how we consume our rugby league. Like, it, we haven't needed corporate media for a long time for our consumption of the game. No. Um, but I, it, nothing changed for from my consumption of the game. And, and more importantly, my... Um, the way that I was getting information from players directly from players and directly from clubs, I've been doing that for so long. And I'm not saying there's, I'm doing anything special. I'm talking like on mostly through Twitter, you know. Uh, I've, I've not, it's not like I'm talking to anyone at these clubs or anything. Uh, I'm just consuming it like a fan would because um, I am a fan. Like, you know, that had no change on me whatsoever than not talking to corporate media outlets. No, that's right. And so, and the good thing too is that there's so many people out there now, independent content creators, that are creating legitimate, like really good content 
and mm. none of it is based on rumor, innuendo, any of that sort of crap. There's some good comedy stuff out there. There's some really, really good analysis stuff out there. Mm. Um, and it's on social media. Uh, nearly all of it is free. And if it's not free, it's not going to be paywalled. You can buy a subscription or, you know, give to them on Patreon, that sort of stuff. Mm. But you can still access the stuff. Mm. Um, and that's what people need to start drifting towards. Yeah. And if like when I see a, a corporate journalist come up on my timeline, I normally block them because I just don't care. I don't need it. Um, although I will say I did see somebody retweet to my timeline a Danny Widler tweet where he broke the news that Jai Arrow's dog attacked the <laughs> Jason Demetrio's dog. And like seriously, oh. and that's that's the sort of shit reporting that we're getting. We're seeing the dumb stuff at the moment about Latrell Mitchell again. Yeah. And there was an article that came out today I saw mentioned on on social media, and it was something along the lines of, uh, you know, Latrell Mitchell spotted back in his family property or something like that. It's like, what? Well, why is that a story? Yeah. So last week was you know chastising him because he had a drink at a concert. Oh, wasn't that stupid? Yeah, and you're like, Cameron. and a lot of this is kind of like a lot of the drama at the moment is about accusing Latrell Mitchell of being lazy. Um, I think the game that they he was accused of that for was coming from Braith and Asta. Um, and Braith and Asta was it's the only time I've seen a snippet on um, online from NRO360 that I bothered to press play on. Because yeah. someone said, check this out, Breath and Esther is breaking down all the things that um, Latrell Mitchell is doing wrong mm-hmm. as a fullback. And I went, mm-hmm. yeah, because Brace got a great record of being a fullback. <laughs> he knows. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's things you can point to, like Latrell wasn't pushing through hard enough on a kick chase here or he wasn't in support here or there. You know what? And some of that might be fine. That might be might be fair where you can just go through and say all of that. But um, I don't think you can ever go to the point where you call him lazy. I'd say he's out of position. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call him lazy. Because I think in the game that they pulled that shit out, he'd still mm-hmm. made over 200 metres for the game. I have a feeling that if we were in a different part of the year, Latrell Mitchell probably wouldn't be playing at the moment. I think that he would... I think he is he has come back a, a little early from injury, and I think that they did it because they knew they had to. And I think that his fitness is obviously in this time out, which it would, it, it's gone away because he was out for a very long time. He was, and didn't we go through this last year as well, or the year before? Yeah, there and was he, one. Yeah, and when you get your when you get your top line guy coming back, you'll obviously rush him back early. Mm. And that's what's happened every time. That's that's pretty much all it is. And the, the but, thing to – sorry, go on. Go I was going to say, but the problem I get with them is they – it's like they're hanging around waiting for him to not be out of position once so they can just fucking harangue him. I don't know why they are so obsessed with attacking Latrell Mitchell with such furious anger. Yeah, it's a weird one. It's I don't want to, one. I don't want to say it's racism because it's not – they're not doing it to other Aboriginal players. But at the same time, I think I saw somewhere someone was saying that he's more committed and more passionate about issues pertaining to his culture than he is to the club. I was like, oh, yeah, that, I, in, I, 
Yeah. That in itself is not a bad thing. But they're using it as a criticism. Yeah, I, I believe that was part of the text messages that we were talking about earlier, which was, mm. was unfortunate. But, you know, and that's why I said I, I, I sort of looked at them as the sort of thing that just some, some fan would say, that you'd see it on Twitter and you'd be like, oh, man, and you just keep scrolling, you know. Um, and as you say, like, and we've talked about this before with Jared Crocker. It's way more important that he's a really nice dude. <laughs> way more important. A million times more important. You're giving him three and a half minutes off the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way more important. <laughs> like, you know, you've got to be realistic about this stuff. But uh, the, I don't know what it is about Latrell Mitchell that, yeah, they, they have this weird uh, teardown that they want to do of him. Like, I'm looking at Latrell Mitchell right now, and I'm like, his fitness isn't great. He probably shouldn't be playing. He's trying to do what he can to, to, and they all are at South, but he's doing his bit to try and get them in the finals. That's the way I look at it with Latrell Mitchell at the moment. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, and I understand why a South fan would be really, really like, oh, man, you know, he's not playing great because he's not playing at his best at all. That's for certain. But, uh, I, I don't see the thing that the corporate press looks at it and says, let's let's rip in this week on Latrell Mitchell. It makes no sense to me. I don't get it. The, the other part of this story that came out last week was there was this talk about Sam Burgess having too much authority or too much power at the club and how he was going to get moved on um, pretty early. And then the South Club then announced that he'd been um, basically relieved of his duties or his the media's like, yeah, we caught him. We knew he'd get sacked. We're going, he's not sacked. Yeah. He's got a job over in Warrington as a head coach next year. He's probably just gone over to do that because, you know, you got to prepare. They got rid of him early. It's like maybe <laughs> three weeks. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Yeah, I didn't understand that either. I thought that all of that was kind of weird. And I look, I and like I said that. And had a, a lot of people push back on me. I think when you get pushed back, it's int- you've got to sit and think about it. And there there is a lot of weird stuff happening at South at the moment. But that sort of stuff happens when you're a club under pressure that well, you and me said that was between the Panthers and South at the start of the year for the title. Yeah. And South is struggling to make the finals at all. And I think that on their current form, they're one and done um, in the finals. Well, so it's hard to all... tell because of all these injuries that have been taking place. I'm sort of less convinced about who's going to be in the grand final now at all. Let's talk about that because, I mean, there's the amount of injuries have been outrageous last weekend. Yeah, and it's it's key players that are getting injured. Yeah. So I think last week we saw Reese Walsh and Payne Haas both getting small injuries. Mm-hmm. Um. Walsh had a, a knock to his knee. Apparently, he's been perfectly fine since. Okay. But Payne Haas had a busted finger. Yep. Um, I know it doesn't sound like much, but if it was dislocated, it might stop him from being able to hold the ball. And you, and it's just something you don't need. Um, Jared Barrier Hargraves has been uh, suspended for four weeks. Yep. Um. And uh, Manu, he he picked up a hammy injury. Yep. Jo- um, Manu. 
Your your mate, Corey Horsburgh, he's been suspended for four matches as well for a shoulder charge. Did they suspend him for that? Yep. Oh, my God. That's, te- that's a terrible decision. Unless the Raiders make the grand final, his season's done. Yeah, that's a terrible decision. That's wrong. Um, so they're saying here that... What was it? Maria Hargrove's... No, he didn't get four. He got more than that. Well, he got, was he got three, matches, three matches for pleading guilty to striking and a further four matches for um, seeking a downgrade for a dangerous contact charge. So he got seven weeks. Yeah, yeah. Hey. So his seasons, they might not play in the NRL again because I don't think he's playing next year, is he? I don't know. I, kept, I kept on hearing he was going to Super League. Okay. It's, look, that, it's possible, but... Um, yeah, someone did ask you to get your stats guy into something the other day. Yeah, my stats guy. It's, I've got a pretty good stats guy, hey? You, you, you know a fella? Yeah, he's, he works. He's the head of my stats department. Um, let me tell you, the pay, I can't even disclose it. <laughs> I can't yeah. even disclose it. Mate, I, but, I, heard, I heard from someone at Fox Sports that he's on like 250 million Mercedes Benzes a year. <laughs> I heard he was driving around. I don't know. It was something blue. He was in a blue car. Probably a Merc. Does it have to be a Merc? Yeah, probably. probably. Either that or as a tiger tank that he painted blue. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I can't. I can't confirm or deny that. Um, but yeah, my stats guy. I thought that was. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> but um, from from the time he made his debut in two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. up until last weekend. Mm. Joe Maria Hargraves had only ever been served 11-week suspension in his career. That's nuts. It's You'd think it was more. You'd, like, yeah. you'd be thinking it was like 30 weeks or so, 11. And yeah, this th- weekend alone, 30, he just picked up seven. If, if you'd set the mark at 30 and said, is it above 30 or below, I probably would have gone above. Yeah, most people would say overs. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so many of them were just one or two weeks here and there. Mm. Um, and then, yeah. He almost doubled it in one suspension. That's crazy. It is indeed insane. Um, for me, though, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a frustrating thing you'll get with with uh, Maria Hargraves because this year, up until this immense stupidity mm-hmm. in a nothing game, mm-hmm. um, he had been playing reasonably well especially given his age and where he's playing in the field. He'd been playing pretty damn good footy for the most of the year. Mm. Unfortunately for him, most of the forward pack around him had been plotting. Yeah. Um, Radley has proven that he's not even worthy of being called up to the West Tigers. He is so trash. Yeah, he's... he's uh... Bateman's ahead of him. Uh, uh... The silence there. I know you're... That, that silence proves... The fact I've, that I... I almost had... made a salient point there. <laughs> The fact, the fact that I had to think is an indictment on Victor Radley. Yeah, he's that bad. Yeah. I think I'd still take Radley. No, I wouldn't have him in. I'd, I'd, over I would take, I would take Bateman's Bate. pointless runs mm. and kicking early all the time over Radley giving away penalties and being sin-binned every fucking week. Because at least Bateman doesn't get sin-binned. He doesn't take a stand to 12 players every game. And we don't need that on the field. I'll take Bateman. Only for that reason. I'm not talking I'm basically not even talking about ability on the field. He's just got a better control of his uh his 
attitude. He's got a better defensive technique where he's not giving away penalties on a regular basis for being sloppy as hell. And he does right. tend to stick to more tackles than Radley does. Listen, make a, I'm going to say this. You make a very good point, Andrew. And there's part of me within my soul that agrees completely with what you've just said. That's the only bit you need to be listening to. Listen, listen, no. <laughs> I will fucking take Victor Radley instead every fucking day. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I cannot. I'm sorry. I have to take Victor Radley. You're right. I'm taking Victor Radley. <laughs> what you're not considering, what you're not factoring in here, okay? Yeah. Is the impact that the West Tigers has on a player. Okay. Look at John Bateman at Canberra. Look what the West Tigers have done to him. I, now I, take I, Radley yep. from the Roosters and put him in the Tigers and see what the Tigers will do to him. They will make him worse than Bateman is. You know what I thought of fucking Bateman when he was at Canberra. Exactly right. You know what I thought of him then. Yes, I'll but you, you and I can both agree, though, that, no, no, that no. Bateman was a lot better at Canberra than what he is right now. Oh, yeah, but... Yeah, so you take Radley out of where he is now, put him in the West Tigers, they will make him a lot worse. And if, I don't, if Radley I don't, right now is, is close to Bateman now after Bateman's been West Tigerized, what the hell are they going to do to Radley? He's just going to turn out there and just be throwing out stiff arms. West Tigerized. <laughs> I just can't. I can't. I'm sorry. I Look, I agree with you, and I'm saying no. <laughs> I agree with your point 100%, and I'm still disagreeing with you. <laughs> well, there's nothing more I can do here. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's cool. And I understand. I am wrong. <laughs> but I am going down that wrong path. You're going. You're going to die on that hill. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's fine. I, I will sit there on that hill with Victor Radley as he's watching, saying, "I don't know why they sent me off." <laughs> All right. Well, let's have a look at the injuries for this week. We don't do the injuries too often. Yeah. Um, Josh Papali's season's over. Um, he's been ruled out because he's got to go and have surgery on his bicep. Oh, um, his bicep. But I thought it was his pec. I read pec somewhere. Yeah, well, they weren't too short at first because it was pretty high up. Yeah. Um, Jamal Fogarty did train after having a bit of a, a knock to his cheekbone, and Nico Hines will be back from a quad injury this weekend. Um, Joe Manu um, is listed to play this weekend. Oh, There's no way he's going to play. No way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Um, Tedesco is also set to be back after sitting out for a week with concussion. Mm-hmm. And Ponga is only expected to miss one game. He he can pro he, if he comes, you need him. You need a month just to get it back to the point where you can play hurt. I, like if he goes out and runs, if he goes out after one game on the sideline with that AC joint injury, and look, it might be super super mild. There's that possibility, but uh, I. I can't imagine he's going to last the no. first game he plays. The worst thing they'll do is they'll they'll obviously have to make him play with painkillers. Yeah. And the worst part about that is it will feel fine. And the first thing he'll do is when he goes out there and he'll make a tackle, he'll do one of those insane kick returns every now and then where he just runs back a million miles an hour. Mm. And he'll cop a knock to that same shoulder and it will be bad. Yeah. I, like, I know when... when um, when Cleary did his AC and he, he did have that Tommy and he come back 
and he was very, very careful with what he did. He was heavily strapped up around that shoulder, and he was really careful about how he would tackle players and uh, really managed it about as well as you could um, and did very well with it. But he had a lot longer. I mean, he did his, I think he did his in origin, something like that. Yeah, I think it was in origin he did it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's a real rough one for Newcastle because they've been playing pretty damn well. They have. So I'll go through the injuries here for the teams that matter. Um, <laughs> Broncos have got Carrigan out. They're not too sure when he's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a foot injury. Adam Reynolds is expected back uh, next weekend. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. If I was them, I would leave him out of this game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for the Raiders, Fogarty and Albert Hoppawadi are both back uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Corey Horsburgh, if he's available, if if they get there, he'll be available for the grand final. Um, Harawira and Nier are still indefinite. Papali, Danny Levi and Elijah Anderson all out for the season. Um, Cronulla, Nico Hines is back. Will Kennedy, they reckon he might be back. I heard second week of the finals. Yeah, that might be a bit late. Yeah. Although, um, I've got his name. The boys yeah. have been filling in for him. He's been playing pretty. Uh, Connor <sighs> Tracy has been playing really damn well there. He has, yeah. And he hasn't been part of the reason why the Sharks haven't been going well either. So um, they might be fine. Mm. The Sharks, though, do rely heavily on Nico Hines, and that was, that's was that been noticeable of late. Because um, when Hines is out, Trindle is a very, very capable replacement, but he doesn't. His game style does not work with Moylan, and Moylan is really, really... Let, let's call a spade a fucking shovel. He's fucking shit when he has to take on more duties. Yes. He struggles with it. But yes. when he gets the limited duties and he just has to do a little bit more ball playing or you know, instead of ball running and no organising, he's a lot better. It's kind of yeah. like having Luke Brooks in your team. Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> But, but older. Yeah. And he, and he costs like one-eighth the amount. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, obviously, they've got Tig Wilton, Kay Dykes, and Dale Finnegan out for the season. Um, what have we got here? The Storm. Harry Grant, Jerome Hughes are both coming back next week. Um, apparently, they're both fine, but they're just going to rest them this week anyway because there's no point. There's no need to risk them. Yeah, the the Hughes injury, he, he strained his MCL, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, it, I was talking was, about how they reckon that he'd be fit to play this week, but they're not gonna they're not gonna take the risk because they don't need to. Risk it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just one of those things that you don't need to have at this point of the year. Like, and that that's the thing about last weekend. There were so many of those sorts of injuries where it's like, oh man, not now. Yeah. Um, Jonah Pezzett. Probably going to miss the rest of the year. He's got a hamstring complaint. Um, George Jennings and Dean Iriama have both been ruled out for the season with knee injuries for the Knights. Hastings could be back this week. Uh, he's been listed on the bench, apparently. Same for Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Ponga, they reckon, first week of the finals. Um, They've got Bailey Hodgson and Jaden Braley are both out for the season still. And Kurt Mann, they still don't know what's going on there. He's been out for a, for a while. Um, Cowboys, basically all of their guys that are that they're missing are Nanai, Valamai, and Holmes. 
Um, they're not going to be available until either week one or week two of the finals if they get there. Yeah. Parramatta. Man, they took a whack last week. So Gutherson, Andrew Davey, Zach Cheney, Matt Dory, Mitchell Moses, and Josh Hodgson all out for the season. Yeah. That's them done. I don't see them making the finals for me. No. Um, it would be, from memory, they would need ridiculous mathematics to fall their way to, to make it anyway. Yeah. It's it's out of the question now. Yeah. Um, Penrith have got Edwards, Taruva, Kenny, and Sorensen all coming back this week. They weren't injured. They just rested. Mm-hmm. Um, Targo is expected to be back also this week. Uh, Luai, they reckon, second week of the finals, according to this, and Taylor May's out for the season. Now, yeah, May, poor bugger. It, May is a, May's one of those ones that, uh, man, it, like, just it just hurt their depth. But then yeah. Taruva stepped up and, like, he's been outstanding, you know. Um, the thing about Penrith, I think, you know, to, to win one, you need everything going your way. To win two, you need more than everything going your way. To win three in a row, it, there's a reason that it hasn't been done since the 80s. And, um, you know, when Luai hurt his shoulder, I think that he would be back in the preliminary finals. I, I can't imagine he'd be back sooner than that. And no. even then, I think it'll be touch and go. Because it looked like, it wasn't like a it, his shoulder went out and went straight back in. It was out. And like I was at that game with Nadine. Uh, she invited me to that game. And you could see him when he was walking down the sideline, he was in a lot of pain and he was holding it together because he's a, a friggin' soldier, you know? Yeah. Um, and so if I had to guess... I'd just be shocked if he could come. If he comes back, he's tough as fuck. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Um, South have got Jed Cartwright coming back this week. Thomas Burgess, Latrell Mitchell both out until the second week of finals. Might be third week of finals, can't remember. Um, Roosters have got Tedesco, Manu and Turpin all available this weekend. Um, Maria Hargraves. Bye bye. Yeah. Connor Watson, Tupanua, and Momorowski. Um, I dare say they've all got their season done. They still don't know when they're coming back. The Warriors have got a few coming back this week as well Rocco Berry, Mitch Barnett, Braden Willie Army, um, Tohu Harris, Luke Metcalf, Jazz Tavanga. Um, they're all available in the first week or second week of the finals as well. Mm-hmm. They're probably the club that has, if you, if you had to say who's injuries and stuff are lining up well for the finals. It's probably the Warriors, hey? Yeah, they're, they're looking pretty good. They yeah. they really do need um, Toe Harris on deck. Yeah. Um, he's he's huge for them in the forwards. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the injury wrap-up. Do you think that that Luai injury is a seismic event changer for the, the finals? Um, not seismic. It okay. it impacts the Panthers' attack immensely. Yeah. But the Panthers' attack uh, works off the back of their defence, and it doesn't impact their defence too much. You reckon? But who do they have playing at five eighth? Do you reckon? Um, because Cog like Cogger, I 
I feel like he might be the one they move in there into the halves, but he can't defend. I wouldn't be surprised they put Peachy there. And it's not for playmaking skills. It'd be just you've got to be a ball runner and defender. That's it. Be, I think they'll go for a defender more than a, a ball player there. And they'll oh. just get Edwards more involved in the attack. Yeah. I, I think that they might, if they go out this weekend with their full strength team, like they've basically given a, a blowout before the, the week one of the finals, I'd be shocked if they tried Jamin Salmon in there because he's one of those guys that defensively you don't really have to worry about him too much because um, he's, he's, he's got a decent size about him. He's got decent mobility um, and he's just a defender. You don't have to worry about him. And I think that they could cover his probably lack of attack. But I don't know. It's it's a I I think it's a big blow for the Panthers, but not a not a worry out of it blow. I think it's as I said. I think it's one of those things that to win three straight, you need everything going your way, and that is a big not going your way moment. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how they function. Yeah, yeah, it will um, be. But we're not going to. I don't think we'll get a proper idea as to how it impacts their performance until the first week of the finals. Because, you know, they rested a bunch of players last week. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if a few get dropped out before the game this weekend. Yeah, same here. Man, I, I wouldn't I, be surprised I, if they're forwards this week. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a situational thing too with, uh, you know, they, they kind of wait until the, ga- the game day and then they decide who they feel like playing and who they don't want playing. Part of me feels like uh, I'm going to be worried watching Nathan Cleary running around. Yeah, look, I wouldn't be surprised if Cleary, Kenny, um, or maybe I think even I was... Leota, just and yeah. probably probably um, Isaac Liu, maybe just give some of their more prominent forwards and any backs who didn't get a rest last week if they want them. Um, they might rest them. Um, I think just, Isaiah Yo is, uh, if you don't have um, Jerome Luai, you need that ball play, extra ball plane he provides. And so I wouldn't be shocked if they rested him. Absolutely, especially when he's in the middle all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they do rest a bunch of them. And there's a lot of players being rested already this weekend across all the teams, so... Mm. Uh, it could be enough to throw a lot more results out of whack too. Mm-hmm. Um, right, what else have we got? I saw it floated out there into the ether mm-hmm. that maybe the NRL should have a buy round before the finals. Uh, AFL does that. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't see the purpose of it. No, same here. Um, it, it's one of those things of like, we're football players, let's play football. Yeah, and kind of... The problem you get is, you know, you've you've gone through the season, you've got to the point where, okay, we've got the final round, everything's sorted out. Everyone now is immediately, Sunday, 6 p.m. or whatever it is. So, right, it's finals time now. Mm. Shit's about to get real. Mm-hmm. Let's all go and have a sleep. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> it's Why like would when you they... take the momentum out of it? Just keep going. That's what That's what works. It's like when they do, like, build up to State of Origin and test matches. They're like, here they come, these gladiators. Oh, they're about to rip in. Let's all stop and sing national anthems. Yeah, oh, that was that was one thing that they found was the uh, p- part of the reason 
why there was so much violence in the first half of the 1973 grand final. Mm. The players spent so long in the sheds getting fired up, ready to go. And obviously it was a rough time as, you know, the game's history back then. Yeah. You know, there was a softening up period which lasted half an hour back then in games. Yeah. Where they didn't play football. No. There was just a football on the field while blokes were just bashing the shit out of one another. Sometimes someone had hold of the ball, but that was every now and then. <laughs> yeah, that was just for fun. It's like throwing a football into a boxing ring. <laughs> like, and, and something, like, something, something's here that shouldn't be here. And, and like you're a ball runner, what do you expect? Not to be tackled, to be assaulted. That's right. It's all about the violence. Hmm. But yeah, when they come out on the field, it wasn't just the fact they had to wait for the anthem. It was the fact that they had to stand around and wait a long time for the people doing the anthem to get onto the field, sing it, and then get all their gear off the field. It was a long process. Mm-hmm. So everyone was just, you could see them walking walk around in circles and they've got their legs shaking and they're like, there's pent up rage inside just building and building and building. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just go, they just whack on one another. Just like, yeah, that kind of expected. Yeah. So it was, it's, there's a fair bit of that there. They try and be a little bit better with it these days, but it's uh, still goes on a bit. I don't know why they can't just do the the anthem. Like, do it half an hour before. Everyone comes out. Mm. You sing your national anthem. Mm. Everyone goes back in the sheds. Do all your pre-match stuff. Have your pre-match entertainment stuff, stuff like that. Drag the stand off the ground, and then boom, everyone runs out on the ground. Ref blows a whistle. Off we fucking go. That would be fantastic. Because, like, who is the anthem for? It, it like if it's it if it as a spectator, and maybe I'm at the other extreme end of like I don't care about any pregame anything at all. I just I'm there for the football. Um, so I'm I'm I would probably prefer that. Man, I don't even get why we have anthems for club or Origin games. Well, Origin games, I guess you could, but for club games, I don't get it because not all the players are born in Australia, so the anthem's not for everyone. I get it when it's for a test match. Mm. They're representing that country. Mm. Absolutely singing an anthem then. Why are you singing it for a club game? Yeah. Yeah, it makes it makes no sense. Especially in the outdoors, you probably find that there's more players that are from other countries playing in the NRL in, in most games than what there is coming from Australia. I don't know. It just yeah, seems it's crazy. Gotta be, it's got to be close, hey? Um, yeah, I just I hate that when you're like, oh, yeah, they're running. Oh, they're going to... Now, everyone, let's stop for five minutes and just stand around while we do, like, all of these ceremonies and shit. It's like, fuck off. Play some football, you fucking cunts. You see it in the Formula One, too. Yeah, you do. They do do. the grid walk and everyone's getting excited and we're talking. It's like, right, now, everybody, out of your cars. Yeah. (laughs) Let's all stand around and watch someone play music and then we'll go and get back in the cars. Yeah, it's so weird. I don't get it, man. It seems nuts. It doesn't seem at all relevant in the modern day either. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, did, what about, uh, did you watch any of the Formula 1? I only saw highlights. Yeah, I watched most of it. I think I I went to bed um, when there was, after the last red uh, red flag they had, which was with about seven laps to go. Because it rained? Was that the rain one? Yeah, and there was a bunch of drivers that come off the track. One guy who just, who was it now? I think it was Zhu Granu. He just... Aquaplane straight through a fucking corner, being fair into a wall. I thought that was a really interesting looking track, hey? I don't mind it. Yeah, yeah. I like that that banked curve they've got. Yeah, so do I. I don't know, like, 
it looked like it gave a couple of different like true racing lines. Yeah. But the other thing I think that it did is it it felt like for whatever reason the camera perspective it gave really showed the cars going really quick for some reason. Yeah, it's it's a good really good track that one. I don't know why they haven't been using it for a lot longer. Yeah, it was and I feel like maybe and I didn't watch the race, I only watched the highlights. Maybe it's one of those tracks where um you know, if if there's a little bit of racing there, it's good. But if you get someone out in front, they can just nail it and just disappear and it's over. Um, but that's the only thing I thought maybe it, it could be because then they get that perfect line. But, um, yeah, I really liked the look of that track. That was so damn cool. Seen, and the like I said, the banked curves were, oh, yeah, that did, that did something to me. <laughs> It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's, and they used to have those bank curves at the uh, really, really old Monza track before they mm. modified. Mm. That would have been insane to watch now, having that bank curve in that last turn. Parabolic. I think they had to tear those down, huh? They did. Yeah. Well, it's because, too, they had, um, I think the track used to come back the other way down the main straight. What do you mean? Like when they first set it up. So they used to have pine, uh, like uh, little witches hats in the middle of the track oh. so you knew which side you were on. Shh. <laughs> Ah, oh, some of the stuff they used to do was crazy. It's insane. It's insane. Um, is that pretty much all of it for today? Yeah, I think that's it. Like, the cool thing is, like, unless something crazy happens during the next few days, the next episode we do is going to be finals previews, which I I'm dying to do right now. But we'll wait. Oh, yeah, we will. We'll, we'll wait on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll wrap this one up. Thanks for tuning, everyone. Make sure you check us out on all the socials and all the um, listening devices out there. Um, there's tons of them. They're everywhere. Um, I know. <laughs> don't start me. Don't start. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're on the socials. We're on X. X, yeah. Big yeah. fan of the X. Big big fan of the X. Yeah. Um, check us out on X. My favourite hamster. <laughs> we're on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook. So check us out on all of those, and um, we'll catch us all next time.